Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. Welcome, everyone. And let's get started with the opening prayer to initiate our space together. So if you'll take your hands together and bring your mind into presence. As we resonate the sound OM together, let your mind clear. And then you'll repeat after me for the traditional Ashtanga Yoga opening prayer to begin the spiritual journey that we take together. to draw your attention to really is the essence of the yoga practice you know why why we practice right and what the purpose really of the journey of yoga is about so we come to the practice for different reasons you know many people come to the practice reflect for for example on why you came to the practice you know you may have come to the practice for increased flexibility to improve athletic performance some people come to the practice to try to heal back pain or other pains or aches in the body. Other people come to the practice for you know, emotional reasons, in search of peace, in search of spirituality, in search of a feeling of belonging. You know? And in, in many ways, the yoga practice has the answer to all of those quests. However, what is at the root of traditional yoga practice is a notion of embodiment, a notion of a return to presence, you could say. 
So I'd like to unpack that a little bit for you because you know, if we don't understand what embodiment is, then we might not understand what yoga is really about, right? So the purpose of the yoga practice is never a physical end. I mean, we can think about this as a spiritual discipline um, that uses a physical methodology. So what that means is that we use physical practice, right? The asanas, the poses, but the intention is not a physical result. If you come to the practice with the intention of a physical result, at some moment it starts to feel hollow. So if we take a look back at the core reason of what is yoga, why do we practice, what is the methodology of the practice, what is the promise of the practice, we look at this notion of embodiment. And the reason why embodiment is so important is that we are conditioned to be disembodied, which probably sounds strange to you because you're thinking, I'm not disembodied, I'm right here in my body right now. You know, I'm not, I'm still on earth, I haven't been dismembered or anything like that. And we might just want to take a moment and be thankful for that. And what I mean by, by, um, by disembodiment is I mean the level of conscious awareness and presence that we inhabit our bodies with. And this is something to a large degree, there is a lot of cultural conditioning about uh, inhabiting a space where we tune out of our bodies rather than tune in, that we disembody ourselves rather than move into a place of embodiment. And a really good kind of example about this is the way that emotions uh, run in a very kind of poignant way and yet aren't always available to our conscious mind. So sometimes when you're upset about something, probably you've had the experience that you weren't even aware that you were upset, yet the feeling, the emotion was running deep inside of the body. And perhaps this often happens that if, uh, if there's an emotion that's very, very present in the body and you're not aware of it, other people begin to point it out to you. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that where you didn't really realize that you weren't feeling well, but people kept on asking you, are you feeling all right? Something seems a little strange. Is everything all right? You know, I went, I've gone through periods of depression since I was nine years old. And one of the things that I've noticed is that there is a breath, an embodied breath that's associated with every state of emotion. And your breath and your body don't lie, but your mind does. The mind tells all these stories, and this is where we get this notion of disembodiment. When you're disembodied, you're in your mind. And the mind likes to think that we're fine and tell ourselves stories of fineness and okayness and everything is good and, and sort of weaves all these stories about a certain level of emotionality when the reality is that our body is telling a very, a very innocent, and very true and very raw story of how we're really feeling. So in, in the yoga practice, what we're meant to do in many ways is to return to a sense of wholeness, a sense of recognition of connection of breath with body, a recognition of connection with our own emotionality so that we're not foreign inside of our bodies, that this is really our home here in the material world. And so this is what we think about in the yoga practice, a reintroduction to awakening every cell of the body. And the reason why I mentioned depression before is that I really have experienced that there is a breath that's associated with every emotion, that there is kind of an emotionality that comes uh, into the body and is expressed through the vehicle of the breath. And the breath is such a crucial part of embodiment when we come into the yoga practice. Without the breath, <clears throat> all of the movements of yoga are, as my teacher said, just bending, just bending the body. 
And if we have as the purpose just bending the body and moving it around, well, then we don't need the breath. But if our intention is to arrive into a sense of home while being here on earth and inhabiting the space of our skin and the space of our body, then we need the breath intimately. And my experience is that, you know, there is a breath that's associated with every emotional state. And sometimes you might not get a window into how you're feeling because there's so much conditioning about being separated from our emotions. There have been periods of all of our lives at some moment where we were, where we were given the message from our surroundings that it wasn't okay to feel. If you are a trauma survivor, whether sexual, physical, or any other type of trauma, you will have a trauma response to your emotions. You might not be able to feel your emotions in the moment, yet your breath will be telling the story of your emotions. The magic of the yoga practice is that once you begin to tune into your breath during the practice, you will have a tool that you can take with you in every moment of your life so that when you come home from work after a long day, you don't need to ask yourself, how am I feeling? And try to figure it out from your mind. You'll be able to just tune into your breath. Oh, I find myself engaging in long, deep sighs. You know, if you come home from work and your breath is like and then someone asks you, how are you feeling? You might, and your, your response, all of your conditioning is you're about to say, I'm fine. You might pause for a moment and really think, well, I'm sighing a lot. I'm, I seem to be sighing a lot. And that's an okay response. You might not know what that means, but that's a breath that's usually associated with exhaustion, sadness, depression, these sorts of things. And sometimes, again, we can be cognizant of the breath because the breath is the window between the feeling body and the mental body, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And if we have so much patterning about, about divorcing ourselves from our emotions and then removing our consciousness from the body, sometimes we need the breath to bring us back in. Well, there's also a breath that's associated with panic and the state of panic, high, you know, short, shallow, hyperventilating type of breath. There's this breath that's associated with anger where we're panting and we start to feel heat rising up into the body. There's also a breath that's associated with happiness and joy, deep diaphragmatic breath. And so these things are really important windows into the realm of the breath, the realm of a sense of embodied presence. And this is the reason why the breath is so important in the practice. Now, the other thing that's really powerful is that as you begin to do your asana practice, you know, I'm not going to make you promises that you will achieve every single pose. You know, we want to believe that, hey, we're, everybody can do every pose. You know what? That's not true. I'm sorry. Uh, we can try. We can really, really try. And the trying will make us better. And we should all try. We should never give up on anything. That being said, you know, if uh, if, if you're someone that has had a total knee replacement surgery and you have two total knee replacements, I would probably say that the full lotus position is no longer within your realm of possibility, but still working on openness in your hips would add healing to your body. So this is what I mean about being kind of realistic about, about the body in that realm, and that's all okay. So the, uh, the caveat to that is that when you work with the breath, when you work with a window into the breath, that only gets better that never really deteriorates. As you begin to deploy the tool of deep breathing in your life, you'll have a window into uh, training the conscious mind to be intimate with the subconscious mind so that you'll, you will have the feeling of wholeness. There won't be a divergent consciousness. There will be a whole sense of consciousness. And it's a really, really great tool. As your breath improves, and your breathing improves, your awareness of your breath will translate off of your mat into moments of your life. 
I really believe that the world could be a better place if in every moment where we found ourselves triggered, in every moment where you felt like, oh, this person said something to me and I didn't like it, or you read a, a comment on you know, your social media page and then you were about to respond and get into an argument in the comment section, if, you, if, you were, if everybody would just pause and tune into their breath at that moment and just see how they're feeling and just feel it for a moment, and then, even more, if you're a yogi in that moment, if you would engage in 10 deep breathing with sound, 10 breaths with sound in the traditional Ashtanga Yoga breathing method, and then after those 10 breaths, then re-engage and see how you feel. Usually, if you really do that, if you're really, really present with that, imagine all of the arguments you would have averted in your life. You come back. You know, imagine a heated argument with a partner. And I don't know if you've ever had this. I mean, I've had this as well. You know, Tim and I were both yogis, but you know, occasionally we still do get into an argument. And the last argument we had, we were arguing about nothing. It was just really nothing. I, I can't even remember what we were arguing about. It was so it was just one of these things where suddenly we got into an argument and, and then it was of no it was really nothing of substance. It wasn't like, you know, you spent all of the money and now we're broke or you know, you crashed the car into the living room and it was, you know, very bad of you and you've got a gambling habit or some other addiction we need to take a look at. It's nothing like that. It was something like, Where do you want to go for dinner? I don't know. And we're just both stressed out. And then I just think about how many interactions like this happen on a daily basis where we argue really about nothing where the truth of the matter is that we're connected and we love each other and we're intimate and maybe we're actually you know very 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 close and aligned in our values but because we're stressed out and not tuned into our bodies we end up arguing about things that are really irrelevant so imagine if the next time you're in the midst of arguing with someone or judging someone in your family I know we we all get into these family situations where maybe you have you know a brother an uncle or a distant cousin or something like that or maybe maybe even someone closer to you that's very, very triggering for you. And then in that interaction, there's so much patterning to repeat those old patterns, to go into your conditioned response, to go into, I can't believe you're doing this to me again. You always treat me like that. And then you beat that drum again. And imagine if in that moment you were to do two simple things, pause, well, three simple things. First, pause. Number one, pause. Always good to press the pause button. Number two, in the pause button, tune into your own breathing. Oh. I am the one who's breathing in a short, shallow manner. Here I am, and anger has arisen in me. And yes, you could say, well, it's because they're, you know, unconscious and because they spoke, but it's you have to take responsibility. Oh, anger is present in me. I am angry now. Okay, you know, my breath. Or I am sad, or I am anxious, or I'm happy. Who knows, right? Then the third step. Now, before I re-engage with this person, I'm going to take 10 deep breaths with sound, where I count my breath in, I count my breath out, and I count to 10, I count breath, you know, my breath out, and I squeeze Mulabandha, so you squeeze your anus, right? <laughs> so this would be kind of, and then you came back to the conversation. Now, in, 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 in an argument, you would have to remove yourself. So I, I in, a, in the situation of an argument, I really like to think about that you have to go to the bathroom, you know? So this is always a wonderful excuse to leave an argument. Excuse me, I really have to pee. You know, and then it's sort of like, well, okay. And then, you know, and so you go into the bathroom and you recognize I'm disturbed. And then you notice, you know, you pause. And so now you've paused, you're in the bathroom, you recognize I'm disturbed. And then you deploy deep breathing with sound. And you stay there for 10, you know, for 10 deep breaths. And then, okay, you, you come back. And if you've, give, you've sort of cut, you've broken the chain and you've changed the habit pattern of the mind, instead of reacting based on your unconscious behavioral patterns, you've chosen conscious action, you chose something else. Even if you go back 
back and argue again. It will be, the quality of it will be different. There'll be more consciousness. You'll be more in your body. You will at least have remembered your breath. It'll be substantially more peaceful. And I think this is a really important way that your breath can open, open up a window to living a more peaceful life. This of course happens within the realm of your asana first. How many times have you started your asana practice with the intention to maintain deep breathing with sound throughout your entire practice, particularly if you're an ashtanga practitioner, and then suddenly through your practice you realize, oh, I'm not breathing. You know, what happened? I got distracted. I was thinking about lunch or dinner or what I was going to make, you know, what I was going to buy at the store. I've written an email in my head. And then, and you know, so you've done this and you're not, you haven't been present. So you recognize, oh, I've not been present. What do you do in that moment? Normally, a human being in that moment, you're really hard on yourself, right? So as soon as you notice I've not been present, oh my God, look at me. I wasted an hour. I'm not even breathing. Unbelievable. I can't even breathe during my yoga practice. It's a normal human response. Blame, shame, judgment. I, re I really recommend that as soon as you see that, you have to break that chain too. You know. So how do we break the chain? Well, we pause. So we recognize it all. We pause and we become aware. I recognize I'm, I haven't been breathing in a deep manner for the last hour of my yoga practice, number one. Number two, wonderful. I recognize the type of breathing that I've been having. It's been a short, shallow breathing and it feels like I'm panicking. Usually this happens when you're anticipating some awful posture that comes later in the practice. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that, like a challenging back bend or a leg behind the head posture or some other really difficult asana and you start your practice thinking about that posture and the fact that you're thinking about that posture coming in about an hour, you no longer breathe for the full, you do your practice, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this deep back bend, Kapotasana, for example, if those of you that are familiar with the Ashtanga Yoga second series, this can bring up anxiety attacks in many people, you know, it's a really good pose, a really good asana, um, but unfortunately it's very difficult as well. So, uh, so you pause, you recognize I'm doing a short, shallow breathing, I'm lost in the future, and then number two, you commit to taking deep breathing with sound right there, and you just start again, you forgive yourself, you let it go, you pick up the pieces, you start again, just like that, pick up the pieces, start again, breathe again. Every breath is an opportunity to breathe again. You know, and the magic of the breath is so intimately tied with the magic of life, if we think about it. So here we have this thing that's coming in and it's coming out of our body all the time. We're not thinking about it. You're breathing right now. Yes? Yes, we're all breathing. This means we're alive. We're here on earth. It's your breath that's never going to leave you until you leave earth, we think about it. It's the breath by which is the means that you enter this domain of the physical body. So if any of you uh, have children, and if you think about the first moment of breath, it's a miracle. By what force is that first, first breath really given? By what force did we receive that breath? By what force does breath illuminate what would otherwise be just bones and muscles and tissues and this sort of thing? If we really, really think about it, it's quite miraculous. Then the flip side of this is that if we have been present with someone at the last breath of their life, we understand this too is a miracle. This too is an opening. This too is a transition into another realm. And then we understand that the whole of our life is measured by these two breaths, our first breath in and our last breath out. And then within that space, we have the power to live a better life, to be at peace, to be a little bit more in a state of wholeness. And when we think about that, we realize that our life is so short. It's so short. It's here in one instant and gone the next. And that we have this amazing tool of the yoga practice so that we can deepen our breath. And that in deepening our breath, we deepen our relationship 
to the mysteries of life and also the mysteries of death, which are part of the same sort of process. And we think about that, we have a, we have a miraculous tool at our disposal. When we think about the breath, I'd like you to consider that there is the inhalation and that the inhalation has a certain tide to it. And what you could think about with the inhalation is that energy is coming into the body, like that first breath. And that exhalation has a tide to it, and energy is leaving the body, like our last breath. And that every asana practice is also the space between the first inhalation, which begins the beginning, you know, the beginning movement of our practice, and the last exhalation, which concludes our practice. So we have the opportunity for life learning within the context of the practice. If there's an asana, a yoga posture that triggers a particular type of breathing, the seed of that disturbance is within you. And you have the amazing tool of recognition of breath within the asana practice, so you can shine a light on that. Oh, here, when I do kapotasana, every single time, I have short, shallow, panic breathing. Oh, here, every time I do backbend, I have a panic sort of breathing. Or every time I try to put my leg behind my head, I'm overwhelmed with sadness and sighing. We have a window into deeply seated emotional patterns. And the window into that means that you have the opportunity to transcend those patterns, to change the habit pattern of the mind. And when you breathe in a, in a different way than what you would normally breathe in a, in a situation, whether that's kapotasana, whether that's an argument with your friends or partner or family member, you craft a different sense of embodiment. You arrive into kind of a very deep acceptance of the here and now, which includes your body, which includes your breath, which includes your anger, which includes your sadness and includes your joy, all in the same, all in the same, same fold. So when we move into the breath, it's very, very important that we understand the gift that we've been given, that this is a window beyond just oxygen exchange. It's much more than just the lungs are inflating and the lungs are deflating. The breath and the practice we can think of as the prana vayu, the winds of your life force. So this is the winds by which all of our life function is illuminated. We can go for a long time without food. We are not happy to go for a long time without food. We become angry and irritable and extremely hungry and weak. It is not advised to go for long periods without food, but it is possible. We can also go for some time without water or liquid. It is also not advised. You become dehydrated and the body function deteriorates, but you will last for some period of time. Without the breath, how long can we last? just a few minutes and then it's over you know so we think about that this is the mystery of life and death it is here right now for you to touch for you to feel the resonance of the breath doesn't happen by the power of your lungs or even the power of your diaphragm we breathe with your diaphragm in the ashtanga practice yet yet still we keep the lower belly really really drawn in and this is a really uh, kind of often confusing mix for people who don't normally practice Ashtanga. We keep the lower belly drawn in, we breathe with the diaphragm. So this means that there's a resonance, a power of the breath. Where does that come from? Well, the resonance of the breath comes from the emptiness inside of the body. What is the emptiness of the body? Well, the body is material and in the material realm, but there is also, even in the material realm, space between the molecules of the body and there's emptiness, and there's resonance in the emptiness, the place where sound travels. You can think about resonance when you feel music in your body, right? 
So this is one of the things why, it's one of the reasons why we like to turn the volume up and deafen ourselves in the cars and these sorts of things is because the louder the music is, the more we feel it in our body. The, the softer, the quieter the music is, the more it's just sort of in the background coming in through the auditory channels. But the louder the music is, the more that that resonance, think about a powerful bass beat if you have ever been so kind of like a rave party or think about the, the overwhelming feeling of the, the cello and the string instruments if you've been to a live orchestra orchestra performance or drum beats if you've been to like a live rock concert or something like that. You feel it in your body. This is resonance. The deep breathing with sound in the Ashtanga method is meant to move on that plane into the sonic resonance of the inner body, into the space where your spirit is fully alive and illuminated within the realm of this physical body. This is where we're going with the breath. When your spirit is present, then your body is filled with light. And this is just the reality of the nature of our beingness. And ultimately, the whole yoga practice is aimed at that. Full embodiment means that your spirit is present in every cell of your body. You're alive, you're filled with light, you're aware of all of the sensations, and you're at peace with it all. So this is where we begin our journey with the breath tonight. So let's come to a comfortable seated position. If you're not already in a comfortable seated position. And then we'll begin with a little bit of work with the breath, with the intention of training ourselves to take those 10 deep breaths with sound. All right? Okay. So try not to change your posture as we go through these 10 breaths. Because if you change your posture, it will be very easy for you to let your mind be distracted. There will be some discomfort that arises in the body. I promise you, you will not become injured from sitting here for 10 deep breaths without moving, okay? Your feet may fall asleep if you're not used to sitting in the same position, but that's okay. Sometimes I feel like if the feet fall asleep, maybe they need a nap and we can let them be there asleep, okay? So if you'll close your eyes, and before we begin to try to control, manipulate, or resonate the breath, I'd like you simply to be aware of your natural, normal breath, however it is moving in and out of your body. <clears throat> You might notice your breath passing inside your nostrils, along the upper lip, at the back of your throat, around your chest, around your diaphragm, somewhere in your body. I want you to feel your breath, however it naturally manifests, however it unfolds, and allow yourself to just be fully present with your breath. You might immediately think, oh no, am I breathing properly right now? Is my breath good enough? Recognize the judgmental mind, and for a moment, just be aware. This is how I'm breathing in. This is how I'm breathing out. Just as no emotion is right or wrong, there is no breath that is right or wrong when you're simply tuning in to how your natural breath unfolds and presents.
After a few moments where you get a good window, a root, into your awareness of the breath, now we'll begin to train the breath in that deep, resonant breath with sound. So if you're familiar with the activation known as Mula Bandha and Udhyana Bandha, begin to activate the pelvic floor and draw the lower belly deeply inside. Then place the tip of the tongue on the roof of the mouth behind your two front teeth. And then begin to inhale and exhale with the resonant breath with sound, saying saw as you inhale and ha as you exhale. Start to resonate your breath again so you can hear and feel the power, the presence, and all the sensations of the breath. See if it's possible to make inhalation and exhalation even to each other. Now gently start to lengthen your breath so that you count to five as you breathe in and five as you breathe out. <clears throat> then gently open your eyes placing your gaze at the tip of your nose. Now let's breathe together with me for about 10 breaths. So exhale completely. Activate your pelvic floor, inhale. Exhale. breathing out, keep drawing the belly in, keep resonating the breath, feel the breath along the deep channels of the inner body, inhale, 
exhale. Activate your pelvic floor. Try to keep the body still. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale, long deep breath in. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. 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 Keep your eyes closed. Gently release the resonant breath with sounds and just let your breath return to natural. And notice the change in the breath from before and after those 10 deep breaths. You may find that your breath resonates in a different part of the body. You may find yourself breathing deeper. You may find your breath very subtle and refined, rarefied, almost hard to feel, as though the breath itself becomes a window into the spirit. in the quiet space of the emptiness of the inner body, there's a root into the true sense of wholeness, the true sense of embodied presence, 
and the truth of inner light. The practice is designed to lead us right here. Be present with the breath as it naturally is now. And then gently draw your hands together. Allow yourself a conscious breath in. drop your hands down good <laughs> so from this space we'll begin the practice and you can change your posture now if you haven't already done so okay so from this space we begin the practice and the practice takes us through sort of a macrocosmic uh, experience of what we just experienced the state of our bodies before the practice deep breathing and then the state of your body and your mind after the practice so we have the full essence of the practice right here, just with 10 deep breaths, all right? Did everyone notice a change in the quality of your breath from before to after, right? The change in the quality of your mind and what you were sensitive to before and after? Right? It's very different. Uh, and, and so, again, as I mentioned before, uh, think about that as a powerful tool to change your world, moments of distress. Recognize I'm be a pretty stressed breathing. Go away. Somewhere where you're alone. Ten deep breaths. The quality of your mind will have changed. And that will therefore change the quality of your interactions. If you do that enough times, you will have retrained the habit pattern of the mind. And you'll remove all of those old destructive patterns, which are called samskaras, that lead to more suffering. And instead, we'll have other pathways that lead to more experiences of inner peace and, and, and embodiment and presence, which is the whole journey of practice. I hope you enjoyed that talk with Kino. It was inspiring and insightful as always from Kino. She gave this talk at one of our classes at Miami Life Center. She teaches her students here once a month. And lately she's been doing these Dharma talks, which we're recording all of them so you guys can listen to here on our podcast. This month, the class with Kino is the day after Thanksgiving, November 23rd at 12 p.m. So it'll be a nice class to come to our mats, come back to that space and give thanks. Give thanks to the practice. Give thanks to the people who helped us find our way to the practice. And she'll be doing a Dharma talk as well with a meditation and a yoga practice. So if you're interested in signing up, you can go to our website, www.miamilifecenter.com. The class is free for our members, but we also open it up to anybody else who'd like to join for a fee. And the class is suitable for all levels. So from a yoga beginner to advanced yoga practitioner, we hope you'll join us. Namaste.